It was an Anna, Raggedy Ann doll. So oh. Very Ooh. innocuous compared Ooh. to the creepy ass okay. shit that's on there. I have one of those upstairs, actually. Do you? Yeah. My grandmother had one, and I was like, this explains why she was so evil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From Rosemary's Baby and Reagan McNeil to Jason, Freddie, and Chucky to Samara, Jigsaw, and Pennywise, we can't get enough. If it's blood-curdling, spine-tingling, breath-quickening, or soul-stealing, we're ready to watch it. Welcome to Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards. With me tonight are my two co-hosts, Helen Stewart. Hello. And Anne Connolly. Hey, everybody. So what's up tonight, Ray? What are we watching? What are we reviewing? All right, so tonight we are going to review Annabelle a 2014 American supernatural horror film directed by John R. Leonetti, written by Gary Doberman, and produced by Peter Safran and James Wan. It's a prequel to 2013's The Conjuring in the second installment in The Conjuring Universe. The film was inspired by a doll named Annabelle, told by Ed and Lorraine Warren. The film stars Annabelle Wallace, Ward Horton, and Alfred Wood- Woodard. Okay, so the first thing we usually do is go through... If we've seen this movie before, what our expectations were going in, and how we felt about it. So, Anne, do you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. So, obviously, you guys know by now, love horror movies. I've seen quite a lot of them, but I had not seen Annabelle yet. So, this was my first viewing of this. I had heard good things, and I really enjoy the Conjuring series. So, that I was excited about. So, I was expecting a pretty terrifying movie, dull possession, things moving around, I don't know, maybe some paranormal activity-like things. So, I was pretty, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it more, but um, I was pretty pleasantly surprised. Okay. Helen? Um, I had seen this movie before. I had forgotten that I had seen it, so it's always a nice surprise to see it again and remember how much I enjoyed watching it. It definitely was creepy. Um, scary dolls are definitely one of my favorite things to watch, so I enjoyed it. And for myself, um, I saw this in the movie theaters, uh, with Lynn. I believe it was just the two of us at the time. And as with many horror movies, there are parts of it I have never seen because I lifted my glasses up and couldn't really, really see them, really see them (laughs) because I was scared in the movie theater. So, um, there were parts of this movie, specifically the Ram, which I was kind of like, Hey, I don't remember that guy. Oh yeah, that's right. Because I didn't actually ever see him in the movie. I kind (laughs) of was looking the other way when he popped up the couple times he popped up. (laughs) I, I was excited to see this movie again. I enjoyed this movie a lot. The first time I saw it in the theaters, um, we'll get into exactly why during the review, but I was excited to see it and I don't think it really disappointed Helen, you said you did some research into into Annabelle. I did. Um, so I looked up to see what the actual doll's history was. And the original doll, the actual doll, is a Raggedy Ann doll. So it's very innocuous compared to the doll that is presented in the movie. And I was wondering, watching the movie, would it have been scarier to have a more pleasant-looking face? Because then you're looking at all the dolls that you own in your house, thinking, any one of these could come after me. <laughs> um the other, um, the doll is kept in Ed and Lorraine Warren's basement in a glass box that's surrounded by religious icons and it's blessed twice a day by a priest, supposedly. Um, and you can go visit the museum, but they have a um, small amount of visitors due to permitting. So if anybody ever wants to take a trip, I think it's somewhere in the northeast of the United States. 
Yes. Oh, sounds like a good road trip. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Is now is it's actually a Raggedy Ann doll itself, like Raggedy Ann and Andy, that sort of doll? Yes. Um they said that the nursing um students that were presented in the beginning of the movie were the actual characters that had the real doll. Oh um, interesting. That, that makes so much more sense now. Yes. Okay. Um, but the doll was not an old doll like it is in the movies. It wasn't a um, classic doll that's hard to find. It was supposedly a brand new Raggedy Ann doll out of the box. Huh. huh. Cursed at the factory. I, w- <laughs> I, w- I wonder if they couldn't use the Raggedy Ann doll because it's... Trademarked. Trademarked or copyrighted. <laughs> or the, you know, yeah, they just they couldn't use it because somebody owns it. And they were like, you can't use that doll. So Play school was like, no thanks. <laughs> we don't need that negative press. Thanks, yeah. no thanks. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I don't know how it would have affected the movie because I don't know if it would have made it scarier or less scary. I guess it depends on how they shot it because the doll in the movie is pretty terrifying. Yes. I mean, it goes – I feel like it goes a little too far – in a way, because who would ever have that doll in their house? I and mean, there's a point in the movie where I'm like, why would you keep that doll? Right? Why would you be excited to receive said doll? That yeah. doll is ridiculous. Can <laughs> we just say it is ridiculous? Yeah. It is huge. It is heavy. What? It's not even a doll. That's like a, once a pint-sized, life-size figure, basically. I, I didn't understand you know where why why you would even consider that a collector's item at the end of the day i said it was grounds for a divorce yeah in that divorce (laughs) i would be putting on there husband gets the doll (laughs) yeah i mean i'm i I don't collect dolls so i'm not really up on the whole doll sizes but it did seem rather large for like (laughs) a doll i mean it's even large large compared to the other dolls she has i mean it's obviously like front and center in in there so yeah, I don't, I don't know. A little theatrical representation, it was a little ridiculous. I guess. Part of the history of the doll, which I thought might tie into the size of the fake Annabelle doll, was that the person or soul that was um, captured in the Raggedy Ann doll was a six-year-old child. So I was wondering if the size of this doll was supposed to replicate a small child because of that scene where she's in the nursery and looking into another bedroom and sees the doll standing and the doll becomes the young annabelle and then comes running at her and becomes the big annabelle mm-hmm, like i, I thought mm-hmm. that was supposed to maybe say i'm i have captured this little girl's soul that's interesting okay uh, um are we uh are we okay with the history anything else we need to know about the movie that's all i got okay and why don't you roll the uh, roll the trailer all right i think it's trailer time here we go action john wake up what's that next door i heard a scream stay here we're check it out is everything all right? Oh my God, they're covered in blood. Go back inside. It's not mine. It's not. Go back inside. Call an ambulance right now. Go. I like your dog. You survived. You don't come out the other side of something like this weaker. What is there left to be scared of? This is the last of them. How did that get in there? I swear, I threw it out. Things must have got mixed up. There, she fits right in. Come on, 
Sometimes demons can attach themselves to objects. What do I do? Protect your family. In 1967, in Santa Monica, California, John Form, a doctor, presents his expectant wife Mia with a rare vintage porcelain doll as a gift for their first child to be placed in a collection of dolls in their daughter's nursery. That night, the couple is disturbed by the sounds of their next-door neighbors, the Higgins, being murdered during a home invasion. While Mia calls the police, she and John are attacked by the Higgins' killers. The police arrive and shoot one killer, a man, dead, while the female killer commits suicide by slitting her own throat inside the nursery while holding the porcelain doll. News reports identify the assailants as the Higgins' estranged daughter, Annabelle, and her unidentified boyfriend, both members of a cult. Okay, so as this movie opened up, um, all I could think was how pretty everything was. It was like they were really setting the scene with this really beautiful couple in Santa Monica, California. The setting was gorgeous. It was just very serene. Um, It was interesting watching that as kind of juxtaposed other horror movies where I feel like immediately in other horror movies they're trying to set this tone of it being spooky or like a little one-off. I felt like for a good while, this synopsis jumps right into the neighbors being murdered But there was a good five, ten plus minutes of just like hanging out, going to church, getting to meet the neighbors, like really, really setting this beautiful lifestyle up that ultimately becomes dismantled throughout the rest of the movie. So I thought that was that was a nice touch. Yeah, I mean, I thought that so the very beginning is the nurses, right? describing the doll. So you have that that sort of initial setup saying like she's evil we know she's evil, and it's also a a sequel to The Conjuring where you're introduced to her in, in the first place. So in a way, it gives you that that breathing room so that they go into it and they can kind of explore the people's lives before everything goes, yeah, goes bad. Really good call bringing that up. I really disliked that. That really irritated me. It was like, who are these people? And now what? We're doing a flashback, a flash forward. What? Now we're setting a story in a story, and why? And are they going to bring it back full circle? What's the point? It seemed a little, like, gimmicky, a little thrown in there to me. But now that we hear that these were actually the people hypothetically affected by the real-life Annabelle, that's kind of cool. But you didn't understand that in the movie. And, you know, I appreciate that the director probably brought them in there, kind of give them, like, their five minutes of fame. But at the same time, I was kind of like, it didn't help me with the movie, you know? Yeah, what didn't seem the type, like, the right time to say, this is where the doll is currently. 
since we were now just saying we're in 1969 with this doll. Yeah, um, I did like the fact that they spent so much time with the family as well before everything went kind of bad. And in fact, even up till the uh, murder of the Higgins and, of course, the, the killing of the cultists, like, I thought all of that was very well done and disturbing. It could have been its own movie about sort of the 19, late 60s cult, you know, satanic cult and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. you didn't need the doll, really. Like, it was terrifying in and of its own right. Um, I thought the... I thought that the uh, the shot through their bedroom window to the neighbor's bedroom window and um, seeing them being murdered was very effective. Um, oh, completely. Yeah, I thought it was that. well shot. Very yeah. well done. Yeah. In fact, I was almost slightly disinterested in the movie until that happened because it was almost like everything was so calm and, and chill. And I mean, I, you know, it's late at night. I'm tired while I'm watching this. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm okay. <laughs> with kind of a calm movie and then they get in there you know oh i heard a scream um yeah you hear you see the blood splatter and immediately you're just like (gasps) like your your heart jumps out because also just the physical proximity of the house is right and the closeness and the way that you're literally shooting uh through the window like an arm's reach away from the neighbor's bedroom um terrifying how the light is on right you see uh the mother the the wife and and then it all all of a sudden goes dark and you're just like oh my god and then they're right there they're looking at the window you're like are they going to come through the window back into their house because if their lights are on they can see them and uh, really really started setting that tone of like a real life right like kind of quote-unquote situation that could drive paranoia for uh for the viewers in future situations potentially yeah i was thinking that the reason why they had such a slow build-up was the kind of do a parallel to let's do a slow build-up to this horrible situation and then the doll does a slow build-up to being this evil terrorizing doll so i Mm -hmm. kind of thought that was like the comparison to say it doesn't just all full, full blown out happen yeah, and, and I feel like that they – one of the things I really like about this movie is they subvert the husband role in this movie a lot. In typical horror movies that are centered around mothers and their babies or mothers and their children or just women in general, like the husband is always delinquent in some way. And it's generally portrayed as a moral failing on his part. He doesn't believe her. He doesn't whatever. Like it's it's this sort of thing. And they and they flirt with that with the husband in this movie. But John always seems to at the last minute redeem himself to some extent um, within the confines of, of course, everyone in a horror movie has to do something wrong. Otherwise, you know, there wouldn't be a horror movie. Um, so, you know, within that context, uh, he does that. And I feel like they spend some of this time at the beginning setting that relationship up and showing that so that so that you believe it later on. I had good dad. I thought he was really a good dad. Pleasantly surprised over and over again by, I think you had said before, Ray, a very JFK-like yeah. kind of character. Yeah, I mean, he was, like, stunningly good-looking, I felt yeah. like. and the wife. I yes, mean, both of them. Yeah, I mean, picturesque. They, yeah, they, they both were. I mean, if I was going to haunt a couple, I would probably haunt them <laughs> my, myself. If I was a demon, I'd be like, I'm going after one of their souls. Yes, I believe that's true. But one of the things I didn't understand about the movie, and in the... um. In the uh, Wikipedia article here, it mentions him being a doctor. But in the movie, mm-hmm. isn't he? He's not a doctor yet. He's in med school. And I wrote, like, and I wrote in my notes, 
how does he make enough money to have this house? Who's working? Who's bringing in income if he's in medical school? Correct. Yes, I thought the same in the wiki. I was like, whoop, that's a that's that's a mistake. Yeah, so, he was yeah, right talking about his residency. Yeah, so being I being the student. So he's got to have a, a side hustle. Maybe he's not as good as we think as we think <laughs> he is. That's why he's so good looking. He he, <laughs> yeah. he deals in dolls, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I just found this for you today. He did say fun. that he was going to be short on the rent a couple months by buying this hideously ugly doll for her. So <laughs> Yes. Well, he also says that he's on the night shift later on. Maybe he's, you know, actually but that's his so, residency. Yeah, correct? is it? Or is it his side hustle? Well, is he down there dancing? Is he dancing for, for cash is what I want to know. He dresses up as a doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's got the stethoscope and that's about it. <laughs> hey, now. All right. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Uh, you know, obviously it's not a real driver of the story at the, at the end of the day. But, yeah, yeah. you know, 1967, a, a different world, different time. So, you know. Maybe yeah. they were just more lenient on his late rent payments <laughs> back in the day. Well, I kinda, Today they'd be tossed out. They'd be, they'd be renting yeah. that Santa Monica house in, you know, 0.2 seconds. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of figured they're both really good looking people and they both look like they came from well-to-do homes. I figure his parents are floating him the money yeah. to have that house probably. Although, does bring in the question why they don't either of them seem to have any connections to anybody mm-hmm. in the movie. Like, nobody can come over... For her, when she's, you know, in trouble, nobody's staying with her, right? It takes some book owner, you know, bookstore owner. Yeah, then we couldn't conveniently kill the black library owner. Why? <laughs> well, that, that would be too easy. Spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> Sad. Um, I will say that, to your point, kind of setting up the, uh, you know, the whole cult setting. And was it Ted Bundy's cult? Who was the? Uh, it, w- it was um, Charles Manson. Charles Manson, right. Charles Manson's cult. And actually, the fact that the movie about Charles Manson and the found footage that's coming out right now is very timely with this whole piece. Um, so just really creepy setting the stage. And then I thought that the reveal, right, that the home invasion was their daughter right now their daughter that that they joked about this girl being uh, you know oh she's probably off you know a hippie with her name star you know well star is better than phyllis you know as the baby's name or whatnot and it was funny because it didn't quite connect in my mind because i really imagined this daughter as being like a hippie and she's just out you know hanging out like self-exploring you know doing some shrooms some explored whatever <laughs> it's late 60s woodstock's coming up she's having a good time it it totally threw me for a loop when they revealed that it was her daughter. I, I, like, it, it was almost a cognitive dissonance to me. And I was like, wait, no, did they really just say that? Did that really just happen? And then you kind of realize, well, of course, because that's sort of the vehicle to propel the story forward that their daughter was, you know, basically abducted by this cult, was, you know, pulled into this cult and came back to kill her parents for a very specific reason. But um, I, I, I thought it was well played. Yeah, I, I didn't remember that either. I'm not even sure I realized that it, when I watched the movie in the theater. Because when I watched it this time and 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 I and the reveal that it was their daughter, I was like, "Whoa, that's yeah. okay. That makes sense," you know. And uh, it was, I guess it was because when I when I was watching the the home invasion and when they were being killed, I was, I guess I was thinking or so freaked out about the idea that they were random killers and like he doesn't lock his door and he doesn't whatever and they could come over and kill them because i knew that they came over but then i was like why did they come over i forgot that he had gone into their house so i was thinking they were random i don't know but but yeah i thought it was i thought it was excellent that uh that it was their daughter i mean unfortunate obviously but excellent 
what's JFK doing not picking up a baseball bat or something to go with him, right? Then they have this whole scene where he's like, it's cool, like, I'll go figure it out. And I love, like, how we think that's the chivalrous thing to do. You stay here by yourself, defenseless, nine-month pregnant wife. Just, yeah, you hang out here, and I'm going to go see what the the issue is. And you're just like, you know, it's probably just a lose-lose scenario. But then he goes over there completely unarmed. You're like, you don't have, I don't know, grab a pan, grab a ladle, grab... Grab something, maybe not a knife if you don't want to go to that extreme, but he goes on over there and you're like, that guy's, that guy's going to get butchered. I was like, he's going to get killed, like in a hot second. I thought for sure he was going to, you know, she'd be off to fend for herself or something like that. So I was really revealed. I was really relieved when good dad (laughs) came back out and he was okay. Yeah. I was kind of surprised that he would say, go back in the house and call them. Why wouldn't you say, come back into here and call them so that at least we're together? Here yeah. you are. You left your front door wide open. Yep. You're going to run back into this house just assuming everything's fine after you previously yelled at him for not locking the door when you came back from church. Right, right. Oh, and it always, oh, it drives me nuts that they are on the phone with their back to the door. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, your survival skills are are kicking in, right? And at that point, your back is up against the wall. You pick up that phone. You're calling. You're looking every direction. You lock it to your point. You lock the front door as soon as you get You lock the back door. You lock everything. And you, you probably do a, a little sweep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not like thinking, oh, let me just go in here and let me call 911. And no, like you've got to make sure that these people aren't coming over there. I mean, I just thought that was very naive. I mean, it's, it's all part of, right, directorially how they're filming it and making you as the viewer like, kind of freaking out for that main character as well. But there you go. That's what happens, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think once again, I mean, that characters have to make stupid decisions or else the movies don't don't happen, right? And I do think this is the one time... Uh, that the husband disregards the wife, right? Like, he's like, ah, you didn't hear a scream. It was, you know, whatever it was, right? Um, and I'm just going to go. That's why he doesn't get a bat, because he doesn't actually believe that they're in trouble. He just is going to go over there and make sure they're all right, but he doesn't really believe yeah. anything. He's just trying to, you know, satisfy his wife's, you know, um, issue there. So, yeah, I I, um, I think it was well done. I thought her, <laughs> I mean, her getting stabbed as a pregnant woman. Mm. I mean, you don't really see that very often in movies. And and that was pretty visceral. I was like, oh, you know what I mean? And she's on the ground. And she, of course, they go into the whole I can't, she can't move mm-hmm. thing, which, I mean, I've never been stabbed in the stomach. So maybe <laughs> if I stabbed in the stomach, I would go into shock immediately and, you know, not be able to move either. Um, but, uh, but even when the husband was, then the husband comes in and he's defending her. And then the guy gets the drop on him. And I don't. They panned away, but is he like beating him in the head with the pan or whatever that the the crazy guy had? Yeah, candle stick or something. He yeah. had something. He like hit him in the back of the leg and knocked him down. Then he's like getting ready to beat him to <laughs> death, mm-hmm. I assume. And then the cops come in, um, the I assume the back door, uh, and and kill him. But uh, but yeah, all that was I, I thought it was well done. It was like I said, it was visceral in a different way than like a demonic doll, but it. I think it lended some reality to what then happens later on. I guess you feel like it grounded it, at least to me, it grounded it in sort of a different kind of horror. 
Yeah, I, I will also say all I could feel, all I could think was when they were talking about the baby, right, being very sensitive to the surroundings and absorbing all that was sequel. Like, I <laughs> I almost felt like they were beating us over the head with that, right? Like, absorbing, well, do you think the baby's feeling all this? Do you think the baby did? Blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, that really had nothing to do with the story, right? The baby wasn't supernatural. I'm just like, I don't know, you know, what what the nun is in, <laughs> in the rest of the country or anything, but I, I really felt like okay they're really playing this up so the baby's going to come back and have some future issues i i appreciate i appreciate the fact that the baby was not supernatural oh yeah that (laughs) would have been way too much it would have been like uh yeah and didn't have like supernatural powers or wasn't didn't fly herself yeah (laughs) yeah or wasn't herself possessed levitation Um, happening yeah that would have been really creepy though i know (laughs) Yeah, well, I, I mean, maybe they can do a sequel with the baby, and the I baby grows up to be something, but... I wish we could have had, like, head-to-head Annabelle versus baby, head-to-head. <laughs> yeah, that's the, se- that's the sequel. <laughs> also, just really quickly, so weird that the main actress's name is Annabelle in real life. I know. How I saw, weird that is weird that? Too. So weird. Yeah, that's... <laughs> creepy. Yeah, that's creepy. I don't... I, I don't know about that. <laughs> just saying that might have given her a leg up in the casting. Just, is that just what they're like, her name's Annabelle. Done. Or I don't her, know. you know, it could be her looks. Because <laughs> oh right, <laughs> that had Gor- nothing to do with gorgeous, yeah. talented, blue eyed, and yeah. yeah, super thin. <laughs> and her name's Annabelle. Bonus. <laughs> uh, and she was a good actress. I felt like I felt like she did a pretty good job with uh, with what she was given. I mean, the whole movie rests on her, really on her on her performance. You know, I mean. John comes in and JFK's his way around and then JFK's his way back out again. And I don't know what he's doing out there working, but, you know, she it really is all on her. So. Yeah, it's her movie. Yeah, she was able to have excited facial expressions when she opened that doll case. So I'm saying she did a good job acting because <laughs> I would have been horrified. I, you know what? <laughs> you know what? I thought the exact same thing. When she opened the box up, I was like, wow, she's doing a good job of seeming... Like she's like surprised and she's like excited about what's in the box. I mean, yes, it's this creepy doll, but but like I thought she did a good job of that. She's a good actress. All right, we ready to move on to the next section? Yes. Okay. In the days following the attack, a series of paranormal activities occur around the form's residence. Afterwards, Mia gives birth to a healthy baby girl. She and John name their child Leah. The family rents an apartment in Pasadena, and after finding the doll that John had discarded since Annabelle's previous attack in one of their boxes. Another set of paranormal events plagues Mia and her daughter. The next night, Mia is haunted by a malevolent presence in her apartment and believes it to be Annabelle's ghost. During a storm, Mia encounters an enigmatic figure in the building's basement who begins pursuing her before she escapes. So I know we wouldn't have a movie if we didn't keep the doll in the house. (laughs) But as a new mom with the first baby, you're going to take a doll that you thought was thrown in the trash and not clean it, but we're going to put it in the nursery. That really bothered me. <laughs> Where are your Lysol my- wipes, right? <laughs> I know. Come on, Mia. But I, but I appreciate that they threw the doll out. Yes. Like, I appreciate it after, you know, the the bodies of the, of the Annabelle gr- woman and the cr- her crazy boyfriend or whatever are taken out and they're back and... She's like, I got, you, got, you got to get rid of the doll. I can't keep the doll. And the husband takes the doll and throws her in the trash. And we're like, okay, we're good to go. And I appreciated that. You know what? I was I was actually genuinely shocked by that scene. I really appreciate it because it actually happened, just as we're saying. I mean, you never see that in the movie where they're just like, this is creeping me out. Just get rid of it. And it's like, okay, yep, 
No problem. I mean, they could have invented something in, in modern day. It would have been like, this is a collector's item. We can't just throw it away. We have to sell it on eBay. And like, <laughs> okay, you know, uh, and then you could see the wife going like, uh, you know, like, okay, type of thing. They box it up. They stick it down in the basement. They listen on eBay, you know, and try to, and then inevitably it's still in the house. But also I just thought it was funny that he like had to check the one trash can and it was too full because the, <laughs> the doll is so freaking big. And yeah. then he had to go into the second trash can i i almost thought it was like a comic routine i thought he was gonna have to check a third trash can (laughs) to find enough room for this gigantic doll to be thrown out um but yes i agree 100 percent. that's so nasty that this doll found its way back also i mean creepy on multiple factors you know are the garbage men going through and the garbage men are going again hell no i'm not taking that (laughs) doll we're putting that back (laughs) with your with your things to go and then yeah she's got this now it's nasty dirty ratty you don't even stick it in the tub to wash it at least she could have wiped off its face or something sticks it right back up there central and yeah you're just like that's not right i actually wondered if at that point if we were getting a little bit of mother possession that's inevitably not where they wound up going but it was like it was almost like she was, like, entranced by this doll. Like, yes. why would you keep it again? I, I was kind like, of agree with you because the dad was like, I don't think we should keep this. Right. And she's like, oh, no, I'm okay with it now. Okay, so you see this, the thin Whoa. woman, they call her, with a slit throat, mm-hmm. blood dripping onto this doll. Mm-hmm. You're freaked out. Throw it in the trash can. And now, all of a sudden, a couple months later, you're okay. Yeah. I, I felt like, though, that it was her trying to get past what, like, they had moved and she was trying to to move on and she wasn't going to let this the 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 doll came back she wouldn't have went and looked for it but it came back and she's like okay you know what we're going to keep it because i'm not going to let this thing you know drive my life you know forever i'm going to move past it that's kind of how i took it but i want to take it back for a second cuz there's a whole section of this movie that takes place in their old house uh, before it burns burns up that i thought was interesting cuz this is where they first of all they're at the doctor's office after the attack and why do all fake pregnant bellies look – I mean f- pregnant bellies look fake in movies, right? They're, it's a fake belly and I always think they look not right. Yeah, because the moms are skinny everywhere else. Right. I guess. That's well, what the, it is. Well, it's just like the you doctor these... has like the, the, the her, her shirt up or whatever and, and oh, you see the belly. belly and belly like, button was and huge. I, yeah, yeah. And, and I don't – I mean – I mean – there are all you know. different kinds of belly buttons. Yeah, I mean, when I, you're pregnant. Yes, I guess I don't. <laughs> don't be I a mean, belly button hater. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of pregnant belly buttons, I guess. But, <laughs> but um, but like it struck me as as being as being rather the maybe maybe the fakest looking thing in the movie. I felt like maybe I was okay. I've seen some weird pregnancy belly buttons, so okay. I, I was okay with it. Okay. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting was once again, like it, it's like three forty in the morning. They're both asleep, and they start things start turning on. Right, this is where the um the sewing machine turns on, and it's not the wife that gets up; it's the husband who wakes up, right? And um, mm-hmm. and he's walking around. And he's like, and he actually looks like I. And in a lot of movies, what happens is they just go in, they turn it off, and they go back to bed. Like he's looking at it, like, how did you turn on? <laughs> and what? How exactly did this happen? And then he's looking to turn it off, and he can't figure out how to turn it off. It seems like he kind of unplugs or does whatever. But I kind of felt like he wasn't completely. He wasn't sort of like letting that go, right? Like if you – if I woke up in the middle of the night and something was on, like a sewing machine, you actually have to turn on, right? I would wonder why it was on. And even when I went back to bed, I'd be wondering why it was on. 
right? Like, it wouldn't be one of these things I was like, oh, yeah, turn it off, go back to bed, I'm just going to go to sleep, we're cool. See, that's interesting because I thought he was way too blasé. Like, I appreciated that he had the look of kind of being perplexed, but it seemed momentarily like just, how do I turn this thing off? And less, less like, genuinely, like, concerned slash terrified that this random sewing machine is turning on and being possessed and that type of thing. And just from a sewing machine logistical kind of perspective, I was a little confused um, because... I, I I mean I don't I don't know all sewing machine models in 1967, but traditionally sewing machines back in the day were made with the pedal. You had to push to activate the sewing machine, and only recently did they invent, to my knowledge, the button that allowed, from an ADA compliance perspective, you know, the the use of the sewing machine in an automated fashion. So I actually thought it would be super creepy that you know it was only it could only be turned on by hitting that pedal. And then later they show them just like switching it off. And I was like, oh, that's way lamer. You know, <laughs> I was like, uh, that would just be like a light switch turning on. Like it wasn't as cool. You, you didn't, what you didn't see was Annabelle reaching out with her hand, hitting the pedal underneath. But that she, was, was, she was hiding <laughs> underneath the couch and was like pushing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well, that's when, that's when he goes back and he sees her behind the door. Right. And he takes her and he puts her on the rocking chair and then the rocking chair keeps on rocking yeah. and the door shuts. Yeah, I was like, no, 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 none of that. I have to say generally, though, to this point in the movie, I was still underwhelmed. Overall, and it might have just been because I was tired, but I was still not super scared. And I was, like, not very impressed by the movie thus far. Yeah, no, I, I kind of like my horror movies to be a slow burn. Like, I, I appreciate a slow setup and I appreciate a grounding, especially when it's a period 1960s not as a period but period movie basically right 80s 70s 60s you know 20s whatever like i like to get immersed in the sort of the time before it really they they really uh amp up the supernatural so i was okay with that um and then right after that was the pickles and mustard scene oh i was going to say the one like one of my favorite scenes in the movie was that scene because i also love the throwback designs that they had of like what was it like the pop secret popcorn oh yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> oh i love that i just thought that was like just a cute great little snippet of like nostalgia J- J- jiffy pop yes right? yes. yes well of jiffy course pop. they had the jiffy pop i'm trying to remember the boxes that they had out there though right of the brand named oh items. yeah i don't there know yeah. they're really well done yeah, I, I, the the other uh, I guess uh, original sin of the husband is leaving the Jiffy Pop on the stove because people do that. Like that seems like you oh. know when you, when you're like, oh, she yeah. doesn't want it anymore. You turn it off. Like you can take the Jiffy Pop and you do something with it. You know what I mean? I don't know. I I will say just to your point about you know sort of the incidentals and then in that still in that house and then getting to the point where the stove was turned on. Right, he had to go to the conference, so he leaves. Also, no, this is where. Good dad started being a bad dad. I was like, you are not leaving like your nine month pregnant wife for a conference over two days. I'm just like, even in two days, four whatever he was doing, even at that time. I mean, even now you wouldn't do it, let alone, you know, medicine being where it was back then. I mean, that that blew my mind because she looked like she's ready to pop any second, quite honestly. And so then, so then he leaves. But what I will say is, you know, like I mentioned, sort of up until now, they sort of were trying to play a little bit with like the doll being creepy and, you know, the blood soaking into the eyeball and stuff like that. And I just was like, eh, you know, I wasn't like overly impressed. I didn't think that directorially there was anything above and beyond that was really interesting. But once she was in the house by herself and it panned over the stove with all of those 
handles turned on high, that's actually where I started getting creeped out. All of a sudden, it was like, okay, now, like, truly paranormal. Like, even the chair rocking by itself, I was like, whatever, rocking chairs rock. (laughs) I was like, that's what they do. Like, it wasn't enough for me. And once it really showed the stove, right, sort of maliciously, every burner being turned on high, um, that actually started to creep me out. And I think maybe it was just sort of stepping over that line into malicious behavior, you know, trying to physically harm one of them. That suddenly made this movie turn scary for me. What I was surprised about was that there wasn't more of like a, and and I know that you probably wouldn't put this in a movie, but if you felt like you were getting grabbed and pulled backwards by an unseen entity, would you not have a conversation with your husband about that? Oh, and the growling. I was like, that was very Ghostbusters, you know, possessed dog like growl. I was was like, where did that come from? (laughs) I thought that was very odd. Right. To tell you the truth. Like to this point, we had been playing, you know, uh, like uh, like a cat and mouse game about is it the doll? Is it not the doll? Is it possessed? Is it not the possessed? Is it physics or is it really a possessed doll? Like we didn't really know what was happening. And then it's like, right, the stove the the stove's turned all up and then yeah she's literally pulled to your point right yanked backwards with this growl and i was like i don't know whether to be scared or to laugh like it was so weird i thought it was just kind of too soon like too much too soon right it was weird the fire was enough yes (laughs) yes yeah i mean i I second what you're saying about the husband uh leaving for a couple days because well (laughs) and it would be okay if like the mother or the mother-in-law or anybody what was going to come over and stay with her or and check on her at all but the idea that she's on bed rest or yeah bed rest and that she she can't get up really to to use the bathroom i'm not even sure why he would even think of leaving i'm pretty sure the conference wouldn't hold it against him when his wife was just stabbed by some crazy satanic dude right like I, I, yeah, that that was a contrived that was contrived just to get him, just to get him to go. Um, still makes or, me mad well, hearing it again. Well, it still makes me mad. Or or he knew he needed money to cover medical costs, and he had to go to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, it's a couple days. So, but whatever. <laughs> a weekend down at the Playboy ma- Mansion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Playgirl Mansion. I think actually, yeah, him. But sure. Um, all right, and then yeah, and then the uh, the house uh, house burns up, and they move. And I, I appreciate that she's like, get rid of the doll, and we're not living here. I can't have the baby here. We're moving. And I appreciated that because usually it's like we have to stay in the house. We have to stay in the house. We have to stay in the house. Amityville Horror, blah blah blah. All these other horror movies. They never leave the house. And she's like, nope, one fire, we're out. <laughs> so I appreciated that. A murder and a fire. That's true. I would have been out with the murder, but I mean, you know. Murder in the fire. I got her out. It was a nice house. So, so can we talk about the elevator um, scene yes. in, the, in the basement scene, the storage scene? Because that was a scene I probably only saw fifty percent of when I watched it in the movie theater, and I saw all of it this time. I, I, I'm actually almost pretty sure I didn't see any of the baby carriage at the it, in the basement part of it. You were such a cheater. I cannot believe that you. I, I, I know. <laughs> I know. I, know I, cheat. I know. I cheat, but that's okay. But um, um okay, but, so watching it for the first time, yeah, full through, yeah, no, it, it it was pretty scary. First thing I thought, of course, is it, do people leave their babies up in the apartment when they go down to the I basement? I had to, right? And like, I'm assuming, you know, first it's the '60s. Also, you know, maybe she locked the door. I don't know. Um, but she certainly doesn't seem to know the neighbors, so I'm not really sure. But anyway, yeah, so she goes downstairs, right? And um, 
yeah, you get the doll, you get the scary sort of basement thing, or not the doll, but you get the um, the baby carriage and the and the scary basement thing, and then of course she can't. She goes in the elevator, tries to go up, and then it doesn't go up. And Wait, you're skipping the whole part where she that? goes up to the carriage. It has the bloody oh, yeah, that's rag right. in yeah, it. That's right. Forgot and then, the her, rag. then they grab her arm. The oh, thing yeah. grabs her arm. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Jesus. I forgot about that. Oh God! And the that, fingers on that thing. Oh, just oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Creepy. Forgot about that. Like the whole carriage coming out, and and then it's the bloody rag, and you're like, no, no, no. We got checked to make sure it's an okay baby. And then so then she pulls it up, and it's nothing. And then you're kind of like, and of course they do this. You kind of go, ah. Oh. And then they grab her arm, and you're like, oh my God. And then seeing the face, that's what really, really threw me off. That really terrified me because. I don't know. I thought this movie did a good job of basically showing you something scary and not letting you escape it. So many other movies will give you that like quick jump and you're terrified. But this movie, like it gives you that quick jump, but then it keeps hammering you. So you saw the hand, then you see the face. Then she gets in the elevator and the door won't close. And like it opens on the same floor. And again, and again, yeah. and again. Yep. Like, they were hammering us, like, over and over and over again with that. Yeah. And every single time that door closed on that elevator, she breathed a sigh of relief. And I was like, oh, no, honey. I was like, girlfriend, you know the elevator's going <laughs> You're up, going to the sixth yeah. floor. No, but what, well, what, you, what you didn't see was the demon around the back on, like, this and shaking the elevator and kind of moving <laughs> it up and down and going, okay. Ding! That oh, whole man. run up the staircase periodically seeing that oh, yeah, demon yeah. chasing you mm. had me terrified. Yeah. I had to rewatch it today just to yeah, yeah. just to get the feel of it again. <clears throat> then she gets to her door, turns around, and like it's just pops right into her face. And then she gets inside and shuts the door. And I'm like, how is that one little door your barrier against this ram demon? And she didn't lock it. Right. She didn't lock She's it. She's like, oh, no, I'm good. I just shut the door. It's I fine. Just, just you knock first. Excuse yes. me, can I come in? <laughs> like the demon doesn't want to kill her. It wants to terrify her and then put her in a position where she's going to give herself up to it, right? That's So it makes sense that it doesn't just run through the door. Right, because it can't outright kill them. Yeah, no, it was well done. I think that that portion of the story was very strong. The other thing that I thought was very well done was the ram belt of the boyfriend from the beginning. I thought oh, yeah. we didn't call that out, yeah. but right that you see that quick flash of the ram belt and you're like, oh, why is this guy wearing a dodge belt? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then we circle back to, uh, you know, the, the disciples of the ram. Did anybody pick up what I thought was a shout out to Speed where she has <laughs> the baby carriage, she's got the baby to sling and you don't know it. But she sees, like, the demon or the thin girl in the window. I can't remember which. And then her baby carriage starts to go towards the garbage truck, which was foreseen in the weird children's drawings. And then it just gets knocked over, just like in Speed, where all the soda cans go over. And she thinks she hit a baby, but really it wasn't. I thought that was a little odd Uh, (laughs) shout-out. I I didn't pick up the shout-out to Speed. I actually um, thought it was a shout-out to Ghostbusters 2. Oh. Where at the beginning when Dana Barrett ha- is, uh, you know, has her groceries and she has the baby carriage, which is like an old baby looking baby carriage, and, and then it a starts pr- a pram, if you will. Is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> and then it, and then it starts to like roll and it rolls and she's chasing it and the whole thing and it almost gets hit but it doesn't get hit. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where I. That's probably the right shout out. M- maybe I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Although what you were saying about the 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 pictures, <laughs> I can just picture the demon up there drawing real quick, real fast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, make it. All right. <laughs> Going up the stairs, dropping them down. Okay, <laughs> she'll never see me. <laughs> oh, funny. 
<laughs> All right, well, let's move on to the next section. Okay, um, Mia calls back Detective Clarkin to gather information about Annabelle and the cultist and learns that the cult intends to summon supernatural beings. With the help of bookseller and fellow tenant Evelyn, Mia realizes that the cult practiced devil worship, which summoned a demon who followed the family after they moved to their apartment in order to claim a soul. Upon returning home, Mia and Leah are attacked by the demon who reveals itself while manipulating the doll. Mia and John contact their parish priest, Father Perez, who informs them that the demons sometimes attach themselves to inanimate objects as an advantage to accomplish their goals, and that a human soul must be offered for a purpose. Without any hope of exercising the demon out of the doll, Father Perez decides to take it away to seek help from the Warrens for investigation, but before he can enter the church, the demon impersonating Annabelle's spirit attacks him, and grabs the doll. I have a giant heart, Evelyn, in my notes. She's just a wonderful character. I love that actress. Um, I thought she played that role very well of sort of this nurturing mother, um, right, with that she lost her daughter. She's got this great story. I love that she's got that token. She's got the locket with her, you know, her daughter's pictures on it. Really, you know, pulls at your heartstrings that she... Um, had this very unfortunate story that comes unfold that, you know, indeed she was driving the car when, you know, uh, they they were both in an accident and the daughter was killed. Um, and that, of course, the daughter comes to her and says, you know, you need to hang in there that I, you have more. You, God comes to me and says, I have more of a purpose type of thing. So a, a little bit of a convenient place, but I just love that actress. And I just thought she did such a great job of carrying that role, which otherwise I think could have just felt really like, who's this random woman? So um, as a side note to like what you were saying about Evelyn, I felt when she first came in suspicious. Ah, yeah. So I kind of was like, what role is she going to try to get her to work with this demon and give up her soul or something. I, I kind of, I didn't like how she first entered. It was almost like she was pushy. Like, oh, I'm going to give you this book randomly. Oh, here's a child's book and some pretty clothes. Like, I, I want to be your mom, even though I just met you, like you had said two weeks ago in the coffee shop. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, when she walks past the bookshop the first time and she's kind of looking at this weird occult book in the window and then, you know, she's, Evelyn suddenly comes out and is like, oh, you know, and hi, how are you doing? You know, here's a book for you. Here's a book for the baby or, or whatever. You're kind of like, oh, stranger danger. Right. And the wind blows her hair in such a way that you're like, what, what kind of significant moment is this? Yeah, yeah. So the one scene, and I, I don't know if it's here that we didn't talk about is the whole uh, where the doll turns into the girl, right? Where the doll turns into the oh, girl yeah, yeah. and the girl run, runs towards the door and then throws open the door and then it's the grown daughter. Terrifying. That, what? Yeah. What a great effect. Yeah, I, I I don't know who thought of that scene, but they deserve something because that was a good scene. It was a very good scene. It just like both houses, I felt. I was very confused by the layout. So when this happened, I'm like sitting there like, where is she? Like, so I guess she's in the nursery. I'm like, well, so what are you looking at at this point? And then, then it, it just, she kept getting bigger and then like she's right in her face. And then she, what, just jumps out a window almost or like disappears towards the window. Well, she I did, could not grasp she, what was she, happening. She ran. So yeah, it's a little girl standing in the other room. She runs and then the door's closing. She hits the door and she's now the big, she's big right. Annabelle. And then uh, Mia just backs up, like, like backs up away, run, kind of backs up and then, the other girl just disappears. She just is gone, right? She just 
when Mia um, looks again, she's not there. And I felt that was a ring tribute because of the hair and the eyes. The oh, white yeah, gown. yeah, You're yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. this is creepy I, as hell. Yeah, I have in my notes here, Adult Samara uh, written earlier, actually, the, the scene where she walks around the crib. Um, right. Or yes. when it, when it's out when it's out in the living room mm-hmm. in the living space like uh, very Samara esque I guess that bothered me I didn't like that I thought that was too on the nose yeah I th- yeah I think that uh, if there's any um, I guess minus to the sort of whole mythology and stuff I didn't think the actual character of Annabelle the 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 cult the woman was really anything she really wasn't a character she was really uh, a scary vehicle for the demon and in fact you could argue that maybe it was just the demon taking her form throughout the movie like it really had not, really wasn't her at all i don't know um the the other the other scene the other scene we didn't talk about which i thought was super terrifying is when she has she gets a little girl and uh mia gets leah and they're standing there in the uh living room and then she turns and she looks and the doll is sitting off next to the windows and then it stands up and then it lifts up and then it's the demon holding the doll. I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. Scary. That was definitely terrifying. I mean, at first it was funny because like the doll sitting and then levitating. I was like, this is lame again. Like I was just like this movie toys with these really interesting and scary scenes. And then it just is stupid stuff like this. And then, and then it reveals right that the demon's holding it. It's like you don't see that at first. So I, I actually thought that was very terrifying. All right. The priest is hospitalized on the next day. And when John checks on him, Father Perez warns the latter that after sensing its powerful presence, the demon's true intention is to claim Mia's soul. That night, while Evelyn is visiting Mia, the demon uses Father Perez's physical form to sneak into the apartment and abduct Leah in exchange for her mother's soul. To spare her daughter, Mia attempts to jump out of the window with the doll, but John arrives in time along with Evelyn to stop her. Evelyn decides to take her own life in Mia's place. Instead, as atonement for causing a car accident that resulted in the death of her daughter, Ruby, years ago. As the forms are reunited, the demon and doll disappear while Leah is safely inside her crib. Six months later, the doll is bought from an antique shop by a mother as a gift for her daughter, Debbie, one of the nursing students from the prelude of the first film. I have to say that the scene where she picks up the doll from the crib and starts slamming it against the side of the crib, the crib is bending, and then she hears the baby's cries, and it's her baby in the crib. I, like, could we not get resolution to the fact that, like, is the baby okay? Like, I was like, I was wondering what happened to the baby. Part of you is like, yeah, you get that doll. You beat that thing. And then, oh, right, then she gets mad and she throws the thing away. And then, um, right, here's the whimper and goes over and it's her unconscious real baby. And you're just like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I think my eyes were tearing up at that point. Like, I was getting ready for, like, a very serious cry that she had just, like, beaten her own baby to death right yeah. and which was really messed up and then thank heavens it turns into that little blonde doll which you which i was like okay it's not the real baby you know <laughs> i was like it's just the demon playing tricks with her but you don't know where the real baby is right that's the question it's right. kind of like where yeah I, I i thought trap as soon as i see that baby laying halfway in a doorway there's nothing there's blackness on the other side i'm like trap <laughs> trap trap i wouldn't have went over there i'd have been like well when you wake up you can crawl over here if you're the real baby otherwise 
Nope. No, come on. Being a baby daddy, you would have gone and got that baby. I don't know. At that point, I don't know what I would have believed because this is after the demon father Perez shows up and mm-hmm. and that's used, what, to get her to open the door so that when she turns around, the ram is like on the ceiling or right. something like that and mm-hmm. like pushes her or pushes somebody out. I forget exactly how it happens, but yeah. Evelyn. That's right. Pushes Evelyn out. Evelyn's like, we're getting the hell out of here. Oh, that's right. That's right. She's right? Like, grab the baby and run. <laughs> she didn't yeah. even care. She said, leave the baby. That's true. She's like, that's, let's go. That's true. She did, didn't she? She yeah, was like, let's she go. She had to grab the baby and couldn't find the baby, right? The baby's like screaming somewhere down the hall or whatever. Yeah, they can't find the baby. And Evelyn's like, it doesn't matter. Let's just go. Which you're kind of like, I don't know. I kind of appreciate those survival skills, but isn't the whole point to save the baby? It was yeah. weird. Evelyn seems to have the same understanding as the priest, which is the demon wants a soul, but you have to give the soul. So in a way, the baby's safe, right? right. The demon isn't isn't really going to hurt the baby. It's going to use it. And so she's just like, we got to get the people who can give their souls up out of here, you know, type of deal. But yeah, I don't think you realize it at that at that juncture, maybe unless you're very astute like yourself, but um like Evelyn knows what's up. You know, she's definitely like let's we got to save ourselves and get out of here first type of thing. It's like, you know, when the masks come do- down in the in the airplane and they say you must put it on yourself first and then take care of yeah. your children around you type of thing. I thought it was very interesting and then they compelled Evelyn out of the household type of thing and then blocked her from getting back in. Also that she couldn't get back in and then the husband comes back later, unlocks the door and walks right in. That also <laughs> bothered me. Yeah, they didn't seem like very thick doors. The, like, but the, the demon locked yeah, the door. Yeah, as I say, you, you didn't see that part. He, he, was on, he, yeah, he was on the ceiling and then he silly. just dropped down and deadbolted. Right. Like, right. We're good. <laughs> silly us. Yeah. Yeah, so so we're at the end, right? This is the end. This is the last scene. This is the husband comes in, and Evelyn comes in, and the mo- Mia's going to throw herself out of the window with the doll. I don't know why he would hold the doll, personally. I feel like, like you'd hold the doll because you want everything to get smashed. I, I would have thrown it out first just to, be, just to <laughs> see. I'd have been like, all right, let's get rid of that first. And if, okay, It'd I guess I would probably levitate right back its way <laughs> right. into the room. That's true. That's true. Poor Evelyn. I want a whole movie about Evelyn. Let's bring her back. Well, she could come back. Why not? Yeah. Let's ha- have her and Ruby, and we'll do a prequel about them. Okay. Sure. Why not? <laughs> what, what, do you, what did you think, Helen? I felt like her character was not there long enough to really appreciate her for what she could have brought to the table. Um, and then it was just too easy to say, let me join my daughter, even though I feel like really what you're doing is giving up your soul for the for the family. But um i guess it and it ended in a good in a good way like you know the family's together moving on doll goes to a new place because it was perfect in perfect condition once it fell out of six stories <laughs> yeah well, i mean i think the demon caught it or like levitated it down or something like that maybe <laughs> gently I don't know. placed it on the ground gently for somebody it. else to pick up or you could think maybe it bounced maybe it evelyn landed first and it bounced off of her, and <laughs> that's why there was so didn't, much blood. Didn't, didn't, yeah, it didn't. Uh, um, get one hurt. interesting fact that I um, kind of forgot about was that the writing on the ceiling um, for when she starts screaming, "What do you want?" and it says her her soul, and then she says, "I will do anything else," and then it changes to your soul. The real oh. Annabelle actually wrote notes to the nurses, but it was um, help her per- or help us prescriptions <laughs> anyone's percocet yes no. sorry i don't know if it was a big deal back in the 60 no, no. in 69 sorry go ahead go ahead or <laughs> maybe but <laughs> yeah um so they wrote on the ceiling in crayon which i thought was odd that they'd have crayons for a six-month-old child but regardless um sure. the real annabelle wrote in pencil 
just a like like any Raggedy Ann doll would, the raggedy would do. Raggedy Ann, would do. yes, yeah. of course. And she wrote what again? I'm sorry, I interrupted um, you. Before. It was help us or help her or help Lou, and Lou was the fiance. There was like several different notes in a childish scrawl. Interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. Mm. 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 Right. Nothing about souls though. Something to ponder. Why help the fiance? I don't know. And yet, that was the the person that she tortured by running up and down his chest. Maybe he had some like acid reflux or something maybe. like that. And she was helping him. I mean, <laughs> yeah. or something. In, I'm just Stop saying. It. No, I'm just Stop saying. It. I'm just saying. Maybe there was something wrong with him, and it was like helping knocking, something, knocking that phlegm out of there. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he had had like it settled in his chest or something, or he had a tapeworm, or I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe similar to this. So so the, what we talked about as well before that I thought was interesting is we have the demon and then we have Annabelle. So we actually have two entities that... We, we think. Well, that's right. So that's what was manifested in the movie. I don't know, you know, real obviously with the Raggedy Ann doll, but the idea that it could have been a demon and it could have been that six, seven-year-old child's soul really could have been... You know, two different messages at the end of the day. Anyways, it's just interesting to consider because I know that we were talking about the idea that this Annabelle character as the daughter into, right, the the demonic cultist um, was slightly underdeveloped as its own character, um, right, because we really had these two entities. I mean, the demon didn't really have to be developed by itself, but was terrifying nevertheless. He's more terrifying by being undeveloped, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Well, well, like I said, like I said earlier, it could be though that Annabelle really wasn't anything more than a manifestation of the demon, right? Like the demon was just using her, right? And sort that's of what like, soul or like her, her whatever, press. right? I could see that. Yeah. All right. Do we have anything else to say here for the end? Did you get the version that had the extras? I don't no, think so. I don't think I don't so. Think so. Okay, so I I got mine off of Amazon Prime. Oh, so do we. Oh, so there was like a little scene at the end where it talked about the actual actors in the movie finding weird things that happened while they were filming. Oh, interesting. Ooh. So the priest, when they were filming the scene, I guess he must be somewhere near the demon. And I don't recall this at all, but a light fixture fell on his head. Hmm. So oh. like out of, yeah. So on, um, like on set? On the priest, yeah, on the set. Oh. And then um, the medicine cabinet in the bathroom fell off the wall where the dad was, JFK was involved. So they reinstalled the medicine cabinet, which then two days later fell off the wall again. Wow. That's just union work. Right, right? <laughs> so there's one more. Shoddy set building. Oh, for, for all you union members out there, I support unions. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I joke, sorry. I do too. The symbol, <laughs> the the ram's head symbol. So I looked into what the symbol was. Um, was seen as a light glare on the ceiling of the director's bedroom. So he took a picture of it and you can see it. It's could be. Like I could see what he was saying. But um, the two X's are the horns of the ram. And then the triangle is the actual head. So it's the sign for the ram demon so that was why it got possessed into the doll for the movie gotcha interesting Interesting. very interesting yeah no i like it well and just to you know kind of wrap it up like as we were saying with the two nurses in the beginning and then right they have this scene at the end that they alluded to from the get-go of you know well where did your mom get the doll you know i don't know and then they came back to it of the mother inevitably shopping in an antique shop which 
We don't know who took the doll. We don't know how it got there. It shows up in this antique shop where, you know, sort of this aloof mother is like, oh, I'm so excited. I've been looking for, you know, quote unquote, one of these forever, which again, you're like, okay, so this is a known collector's Listen, item. They're, they're priming you for the sequel. <sighs> <sighs> Prequel. Well, I mean, the sequel movie, but it's a prequel, sure. But they're priming you for the next movie. Yeah, it, it very much irritated me again and that she bought this, you know, for those nursing students. I just felt like it was, again, just very, oh, just on the nose, just very gimmicky that you had these nursing students up front. Didn't add anything to the plot. Didn't mean anything significant. Then you see the mom buying the doll at the end. Wasn't interesting. You know, uh, how did I get to the antique shop? Like, not mysterious enough that I even really care about it. So I didn't love that. I was just kind of like, I felt like you could have done a little bit better. Or maybe just cut it, you know? or and, and just, like, allude to it in the movie somehow. Or do that little, you know, where they would sort of do the text on the script where it's like, nobody knows the whereabouts of the doll. Or the doll disappeared to only be recovered. You know, and then I appreciate that they did show it in the shop of the couple, Right, where they say that the couple re- eventually recovered this doll and that they bless it regularly, to your point. And that's kind of kept um, in a safe fashion with other objects of the occult type of thing. I thought, you know, that's fine. Till the sequel when it gets out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So it's time to check in with our friend Patrick Riley. He's not a horror fan, but his girlfriend and our good friend Lynn is. And she's been nice enough to loan him to us for a non-horror fan perspective. Hey, Patrick, are you there? I'm here. All right, so uh, what did you think of Annabelle? Annabelle scared the uh, crap out of me. <laughs> yeah, I I heard I heard that um, Lynn said that you didn't want to watch it. No, I didn't uh, <laughs> at all. Anyway, my biggest uh, thing with the movie, though, at the end, it just sort of seemed like they were like, all right, let's sort of wrap this up and let's let uh, the new lady here just sort of jump on the sword and save this girl's soul. I was like, wait a minute. Even if it was my mom, I'd think about it for like one minute. The lady at the end was like, you know what? I'm just going to jump out of this window. I'll save this whole thing. You just met this lady in a church like a week ago. You had like some coffee. And now you're like, yeah, you know what? I'll save your kid's soul. Where did all that come from? Yeah, she she did seem like very conveniently placed within the movie so that she could be used. And, and then the family was whole and nobody had to really sacrifice anything but the poor, the poor black lady in the movie. <laughs> yeah, e- I was like, dude, the dad's going to be like, no, I'll take your spot. And then she was like, nope, I'll solve this whole thing. I said, wait a minute, that's convenient. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a bit a bit convenient. I mean, she was like sacrificing your soul to be eaten. Am I correct? That's what I thought. I mean, I was like, all right, we're uh, quickly putting this as eternal damnation. Sure, yeah, I, w- yeah, I wasn't... For somebody you barely know. That black demon thing scared the crap out of me. That was Dude, terrifying. When they were in the basement. Oh. No. <laughs> kept opening up the same... The door kept opening up to the same place. I, I had um, grown up in an apartment complex, and I'm telling you, they're not cheery looking places but they could not have made that a more creepier place with the cages <laughs> and the baby crying sounds it was awful yeah. <laughs> i could just hear standing in the elevator and i'm like come on you know that door's opening up to the same place for all the horror movies that lynn makes you watch you think this is one of the the scarier ones or or not yeah it's definitely one of the scarier ones and i was thinking beforehand that it had something to do with the uh patrick wilson character that i kept seeing pop up and uh vera flaminga i think is what her name is yes well you have um you can look forward to uh annabelle 
the creation, I believe, is the is the next Annabelle movie. So at some point we'll review that and we'll we'll bring you back to uh, to talk about how much it terrifies you as well. Yeah, great. I uh, love these possession ones when people are in a house. Yeah, it's very comforting. <laughs> well, we're we're gonna we're gonna let you go and uh, have a uh, have a good night. Sleep tight. Excellent. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll do a lot of sleeping tonight. Thanks, guys. <laughs> have a good weekend. All right, Patrick. Now that we've reviewed the movie, it's time to rate it. Only the best movies make it to the top of the hill, and to be the best, they have to perform in three categories. One, technical composition, which represents how well the movie is made. It includes a script, the directing, the cinematography, the acting, the effects, etc. Impact, which represents how well the movie accomplished its emotional intent. So was it scary? Was it funny? Did it make you question mankind or the nature of your reality? And enjoyment, which is pretty simple. How much did you enjoy watching the movies? Would you watch it again? Do you never want to see it again? Today we're going to work with our scale of 1 to 10. 1 to 3 on the low side, being a bloodbath and not in a good way. 4 to 6 is the middle of our scale. Really that uh, kind of in the middle range there. I'm only going to watch this again if Lynn forces me to. 7 to 9, pretty darn good. Going to return to the box office. You buy another box of popcorn and watch that again. 10 is I loved it so much. I've already bought tickets for Annabelle Creation. So Ray, you're first up. Let's hear those ratings. Okay, so for technical composition, I am going to rate Annabelle a 5. I felt like it had some good shots, long hallway shots. It had some split room shots. It did some good jump scares. But overall, I didn't feel that the cinematography or the direction was really inspired. I mean, it certainly did the job. And the um, the setting, the 60s, 1967 setting and the sort of uh, sets and all that were, were good. But... I just didn't, I felt it was pretty average. For the impact score, I'm going to give it a 7. I I was pretty creeped out by it. I mean, the elevator uh, storage scene alone was pretty, was pretty scary. And the Ram, they did a great job of showing just enough of the demon so that it was scary, but not too much so that it kind of got uh, hokey. Uh, the one place I felt like it... It sort of flirted with that was when it was holding the doll and you kind of saw it side of its face. And for a moment, I almost felt like it was going to like wink at you. Like, look, I'm holding the doll. Isn't that, isn't that cool? Uh, so, but I, I felt like it pretty much stayed in, in this, in the scary zone. So I think it had a pretty, it, it had a pretty good impact. So a seven. And as far as enjoyment, I really liked this movie. I like Annabelle. Uh, so I'm going to give it an eight. I thought that it did a good job of subverting a lot of the horror tropes, especially around the husband, um, allowing him to not be a complete jerk and idiot and incompetent throughout the movie. I think that uh, the family, uh, both JFK and Mia, both make generally good decisions throughout the movie to throw the doll out, to move, and then the doll comes back. Of course, she keeps it, which is a problem, but... But overall, I think they did a good job. The, the husband um, decides they go get the priest instead of kind of going through the whole shrink route, uh, which is what a lot of horror movies end up doing. Um, so I thought that uh, that was really well done. I thought the scares were pretty good. Um, the one drawback is the sort of uh, Evelyn and her role in the movie, both as a, a black actress in a sort of all white cast otherwise and sort of her being the sacrifice was kind of, you know, weird, but, um, overall I enjoyed it a lot. So an eight. All right, Helen, you are next up. All right. For technical composition, 
I gave it an eight. I thought that the acting was really well done um, from all of the actors and actresses. Um, there were so many scenes in the movie that I really enjoyed, the, um, like the, the way that they shot the scenes with the, the Manson-like murders and um, the, the scene in the basement where she's in the storage unit. Um, I just I thought that was really well put together. There were some issues with um, how the doll appeared underneath the door and you could see the whole the head of the doll. I, I thought that they could have done that a little bit better. Um, for impact, I gave it a seven. I was definitely creeped out. Just the appearance of the demon, the doll itself, um, it just it definitely just creeped me out. Um, and for enjoyment, I gave it an eight. I would definitely watch it again. Um, I feel like this is the, the second time I've watched it, and I saw more things this time than I saw the first time. So I feel like you pick up a little bit more each time that you watch it. And um, I just found that to be completely enjoyable. I, I saw the demon this time. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> you see, opened your eyes. Yes, I didn't see him the entire first time I saw the movie. <laughs> That's Ray's new rule of being a movie reader. You must keep your glasses on <laughs> and eyes open. Yes. <laughs> the whole movie. Okay, so for my rating, so um, with tech, I sided a little bit more with Ray. So what I said was, you know, I rated it a six. So I gave it really a middle of the road. It's not that it was bad, Helen, to your point. It had some really good scenes, um, certainly with, you know, lighting and sort of the mysteriousness of the demon. I really enjoyed that. Um, there are certain things that they really could have done better. And I just felt almost from that directorial artistic lens, it could have done a lot more. You know, when we see some of these films, I really enjoy that director putting their very specific imprint on those movies, telling a story underneath the story with their lighting and other effects. And that was something I did not see truly translated here. It was almost too simplistic in some ways. So for impact, I agreed with both of you and I actually raised you a level. So I actually gave it an eight. So I thought this had some really good impact, despite right not having the artistic lens that I was really looking for from the director. I thought the impact was great. I thought it had some really great scary moments. I liked the characters from that emotional intent of the creepiness and what it was working with. I, I thought it did a really great job. And similarly with the enjoyment, I actually gave this a nine, believe it or not. I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought that I would, especially given sort of that intro and kind of you know, meandering through the movie a little bit like, ah, this isn't even really all that scary. And then it really kind of ramping up to deliver on that. I, For me, it was a nice mix of it being not so intensely scary that I can't watch it over and over and again. Um, but it's still right to your point, Helen, and having sort of these intricacies to it that you could watch it again, be, be interested, be thrilled, watch it again. I would totally watch this with friends again. I would recommend this to friends. Um, so, so I enjoyed it overall. I would totally grab a box of popcorn and watch this again. All right, so with our ratings in, uh, Anne, do you want to give us our individual scores and then the overall score? Sure. Okay, so our three ratings overall. Ray, you rated this movie yet again an ominous 6.66. Excellent. Creepy. Helen, you rated this movie a 7.66, so still up there on the scale. And believe it or not, I matched your rating with a 7.66 as well. So our levels kind of equaled one another out between tech and enjoyment. For a generalized average rating of this movie at a 7.3. So pretty good. Pretty solid. Yes, excellent. I think that places Annabelle at the top of the hill in our ratings list. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast, help us grow our audience. Rate and review us on iTunes, and please share with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards, and on behalf of my co-host, I hope you will join us next time when we review the horror classic 1973's The Exorcist.